I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Travel Talks. Now, you've only got one of us this week. You might have noticed there's only one voice here. Alex isn't with me because he's off exploring Slovenia. He looks like he's having an amazing time, to be fair, based on his Instagram. And I am not jealous at all. Uh, So yeah, this week I'm taking the mic for the show where I'll be joined by George Benson. Traveller, YouTuber, Chelsea fan, all-round top bloke who I've known for quite a few years. Uh, And interestingly... Over the last few years, he spent living in Bali, uprooting his life, moving from the UK after lots and lots of travel, talking 40, 50 countries in the space of a few years. And now he's setting up a new life for himself in Bali. So we're going to get into that, talk about everything that's been going on, top tips about what it's like moving to another country and all things like that. But first, we have to talk about this week's episode being sponsored by Zencaster. Now, Zencaster is an online podcast and audio video call recording service. And we found is an absolute game changer for that remote podcasting and recording calls needs that you might have. If you've ever wanted to start a podcast or you have a podcast and you want to take it up to the next level with remote recording, then Zencaster is the software you need to be using. You can try it for free. And if you like it as much as we do, then you can upgrade to the professional membership by using the discount code TRAVELTALKS. One word, all lowercase, and that'll give you 40% off the first three months, which also helps us keep making this podcast. So more on this week's guest, George Benson. Like I said, we've known him for a little while, mainly from my own YouTube days. And when he was doing YouTube, I was doing YouTube, kind of bringing us together, shared interest in football and travel. So it's going to be really good to catch up. Really looking forward to it. It's been a long time, at least two, maybe even three years outside of, you know, the old Instagram message here and there, which means I haven't spoke to him or properly caught up with him since he made that mammoth life decision of uprooting his life and moving to Indonesia to Bali, where he's been for the last few years. So we've got lots to dig into with that move. But first, it does feel a little bit weird not having Alex's voice on the podcast. So I thought, why don't we give him a ring, see how his holiday in Slovenia is going. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. How's How it are you going? doing, UK? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, nice, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm living the good life. Where are you right now and what are you doing? Uh, I'm in Bled at the moment in Slovenia and I, I was in the hot tub. I got out of the hot tub momentarily to take this call off you. Oh, well, I apologise <laughs> profusely for having to get you out of your hot tub life to talk oh, to no, the Travel Talks listeners. <laughs> No, don't apologise. No, good to catch up. How you doing? I'm good, mate. So you're you're getting towards the end of the end of your trip in Slovenia right now, yeah? Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, we, we've we've had an amazing trip so far. I've got a few more days. We're gonna do one more night in Bled and then back to one night in Ljubljana. But yeah, what a country, Saunders. Are you enjoying this it? Is so good. Yeah, no, honestly, this this is such a such a beautiful country. I mean. We've been to Bovec, we've been to um, Piran on the coast. Obviously, we spent one night in Ljubljana. I feel like we haven't seen the best of that yet, but yeah, amazing country. I mean, Bovec or Triglav is, is ridiculous. Nice. What's been the highlight so far? I would say kayaking on Socha River, which was something I'll remember forever. We did this experience where we spent two and a half hours like seeing the hidden spots of Socha River, basically going down the rapids on kayaks with this instructor. Uh, yeah, he just made it an amazing day. Well, I mean, what? It's just, it's just good to be traveling again, seeing different places like this. All right, well, I'm going to crack on with this conversation with George, but good to hear from you. Glad you're having a good time and uh, catch up when you're back and we'll properly discuss everything that uh, Savinia has given you. Great to hear from you, mate. Have a great chat. Enjoy the rest of your trip, mate. See you in a bit. 
Where are you right now? I am currently in my bedroom in Bali, <laughs> in my house. <laughs> I mean that. I mean that needs some more questions. We'll get onto later. But what, yeah. I mean, whereabouts in Bali are you? Uh, in a little, I guess you can call it a village called Umalas, which is near Changu, which is like the, you could say the tourist hipster hotspot of the island. Okay. It looks very cool. There's a lot of wood. It looks very tropical behind you. Yeah. This is a, a very interesting house. It's like, uh, the owners are Belgian, but they, they have a lot of land in Morocco and they love Morocco. So they kind of designed the house as like a French Moroccan-esque kind of combination but it's, it's not like any other house i've ever seen here we were so lucky to find this place the pictures were so bad my girlfriend was like oh this looks kind of antique we, we should go and check it out i was looked at the photos i'm like this doesn't actually look very good but then when we got <laughs> here i'm like where do i sign like as soon as you walk through the front door they had this huge uh, chocolate labrador and i'm right. like so i know pets are allowed which i had a dog on the way and the cat already so i'm like well that's one box ticked already and then we just looked around and was like, this is this is home. This very homely house is amazing. I love it. I'm trying to think when the last time we actually saw each other in person. It's got to be at least a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think it might even be longer, you know. Before, it was before you moved to Bali. Yeah, yeah. I've been here nearly two years now. Uh, I feel like I have so many questions to ask you about everything you've been getting up to recently. Bali, mm-hmm. what, you know, what it's like moving from one country to another, uprooting your life, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but to start, there's always one question that we ask our guests on Travel Talks. It's the first question. It's probably the biggest one, which is how important is travel to you? I mean, it's kind of ironic now because I haven't really been anywhere for the 18 months. And before that, for about seven years, I was hopping here, there and everywhere. I think I racked up like nearly 50 countries. And most of that came in, in like five years of making YouTube videos and kind of getting that bug. And at the moment... Like as I sit here right now, I think I've never been so frustrated due to a multitude of different reasons in terms of really? travel. Yeah. Okay. Because on the flip side, Bali's obviously a beautiful place and a lot of people come here and don't even scratch the surface as to what it has to offer. So I think now I've been to virtually every single place that's ever been seen on this island. But as beautiful and great as it is, with all the restrictions and stuff, I can't even fly somewhere else within Indonesia, mm. let alone all of the hoops I'd have to jump through in order to get back to Europe or anywhere else. Yeah. So I think that kind of really proves that travel is a very important thing to me because it actually, when I can't do it so freely, it frustrates me as much as like any other normal life frustration. You know, like mm-hmm. if you get paid late for a job or you don't get paid the right amount or something that annoys you, it frustrates you. But I think in terms of that freedom of being able to have is also a luxury of course, but to be able to actually go where you want when you want and not being able to do that right now is frustrating so i think travel is very important to me what would that dream scenario look like to you would you use bali as a base and then be kind of jet setting over to different areas of indonesia and asia and further afield yeah so for well from a passion perspective there are lots of places i want to go i want to go to raja ampat because i've done diving a couple of times before but that is supposedly the best place to do it in the world so Mm -hmm. i'd love to go there um I also have uh, an idea for a football series that I want to create, which is basically going around Indonesia, speaking a bit of the local language, trying to integrate it, English with Indonesian subtitles, because Indonesians absolutely love it when people jump into like a a sport theme over here, because football is massive. The quality might not be what we're used to in Europe, but the fan Mm. bases are just as passionate and just as rife, I guess you could say, as anywhere else in the world. So I kind of want to use all of the expertise I built up through making travel content and obviously football, which is now pretty much everything I do and put that together. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of coming in and out of Bali, it's, it's become easy for me in a sense now because I have a Kitas, which is basically like a, a residency permit to stay here. And then I also have a company registered here now as well, which does make it a lot easier. But with covid and everything else at the moment it's not feasible for me to leave here because the vaccines they have here are the ones i don't want i'm waiting for the vaccine that i actually think is a good one to come here and then i'll be able to travel more freely that is an important topic though because there are you know we've seen in europe as well there are some countries that don't accept certain vaccines so it's like 
But that's the thing. I couldn't go back to Europe now because even the vaccine I can get here wouldn't let me, wouldn't be registered. Wow. Okay. So I'd have to start like chopping and changing them, mixing them up. It, to be honest, it changes all of the time. But I think as of the point of recording this right now, I think the only vaccinations that I could possibly get here right now are not accepted in virtually anywhere that I would want to travel to. Wow. Well, I mean, that's such an interesting aspect of travel at the moment, isn't it? That's like we just really take for granted. That is crazy. Yeah. Um. So just to go back even further. So you talked about, you know, how you were doing that jet setting before you, you settled on Bali. And you did, you traveled to a lot of countries in a, quite a small, uh, short space of time. Did you always have that bug for travel? Is that something that came cause you, as you grew up or was it something that came from childhood experiences? I, I always remember being, whenever I was on holiday, I used to go on like a family holiday probably once a year to usually Spain. And I remember I would always feel so sad and dejected when I was leaving. So like the worst part of the trip wasn't getting home. It was actually taking off Mm. from the runway when you're actually leaving to go home. And I would look down and I'm like, why isn't this like down beneath me where, where I can stay? Why do I have to go back to school? Why do I have to go here? Why do I have to do that? So I think when I was a kid, holidays, I absolutely loved them from, from, the, from the sense of I like hot weather for a start. I love being in the sun, which is slightly dangerous, but it is, it is a nice passion of mine. So <laughs> I think it, it's, always been, it's always been a bug, I guess you could say, that I've had or a little virus that's just been eating away inside of me. And I also think because very few people in my family have been anywhere really other than France, Netherlands, Spain, people, most of my family haven't ventured any further than that. And then when my, when my grandma was alive for the last like four or five years of her life, she got really into photography, bought a really, really nice camera. I can't exact remember exactly which one it was now, but she was into wildlife photography and she would go to like Yellowstone national park. She went to Kenya, South Africa, Namibia, some amazing places to take pictures. And at the time, I thought, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's nice. But then as I started to grow in terms of what I was doing online, I was like, actually, you know what? My nan was really cool. Like she took (laughs) some incredible photos. I think National Geographic almost wanted to buy one of her pictures of wolves because she also worked for the UK Wolf Conservation Trust. So she was big into wolves. So like all of her trips were to try and find wolves in the wild to photograph. Sounds like a legend. Yeah, she she was amazing. Like, and I think it's, it's kind of sad that I never got to share that passion that she had that I now have. You know, like if if she saw the gear that I have now, like we'd spend hours sat there in drinking tea, talking about this lens, that lens, let's swap this one, use that one. You know, it would have been cool. But I think it's always been for me, like especially with travel and my family, no one really wanted to go anywhere. Nobody really liked flying, really. Mm. So I always just tried to do the opposite in everything <laughs> so yeah it's, it's worked out well that's why i'm on this podcast here with you okay let's talk a little bit about that time where you were you know really going about traveling lots of different places in that short space of time like we said that correct me if i've got my timeline wrong here but that kind of followed a little bit of a rebrand in terms of what you were doing creatively on youtube right yes yeah i think the, the, the thing was when i was making i started with call of duty and then i did the chat roulette stuff and at that point, I just liked all of YouTube. I watched so many different things. And then when I went from there to FIFA and football-based content, I stopped watching any of that mm. stuff. And all I watched were travel vloggers. So it's kind of like I didn't quite understand in my head at the start of that transition going into FIFA. I didn't figure that I could actually do these travel things myself because by that point, I'd actually built up an audience that would have been active and big enough to have been able to make that transition even sooner Mm. and I I didn't see that for a while but the less content I consumed from that niche that I was creating in which was the football FIFA niche the more I realized damn like I need to get a vlogging camera and I need to start vlogging and then with the vlogs it was weird because I thought that the travel videos were going to be the big bangers but it turned Mm. out that the the, the people that were watching it, they loved it when I traveled, but they just wanted to see me sat in a coffee shop at home doing nothing, which is great if you want to save money. But in terms of going out to see the world, I was like, well, travel videos are really flipping cool and I would love to do my spin. So yeah, but yeah it, was, it, it was very interesting because I think I wanted to do it a lot earlier than I did. 
And then it was just all about having the confidence to actually pick up the camera and actually film myself and come up with stories and places to go and things to see. There was a period of time in 2017 from December through to March, I had the most sponsored travel trips that I ever had. And they usually when these things happen, you know it like there's yeah. you get a deal comes in to go here and do this. And then another one comes in and you're like, ah, oh, these are both great. Ah, oh, this happening at the same time during the same mm -hmm. week. You're like, ah, really? Like great problem to have, but oh, it's still a problem, you know? And all of a sudden, like from November, I think I had like five different trips all lined up. Some of them paid, some of them just like, you want to go and do this? I'm like, yeah, I do. That sounds amazing. And that for me was the pinnacle of it because I think, what we where did we go? We went to... Whistler in Canada, which I'd never been to Canada before and always wanted to go. That was incredible. And then I came back and I think I did Spain for a quick trip. And then from there, I went to Barbados with Virgin Holidays, which was just an incredible, beautiful holiday. And then we went back to Canada again. And then I went to Panama, Jamaica, and Miami with Heineken on the Champions League trophy tour. And that was all within like a three month spell. And I'm like, bloody hell, everyone's looking at me thinking, you're going to all of these places and you're getting paid to do that. That is cool. It was, it was very, very cool. But again, weirdly for me at the same time, when I, when that stuff was all done, that's kind of when I was getting tired of making that content. It's always yeah. been the way for me. Whenever I actually start to really make a wave in that, in a field, particularly with content, I lose interest in it personally. And then I, it just mm. disappears. So at the beginning of 2017, I was kind of going into more of like a, well, I had a girlfriend that I broke up with who we'd been together for like five years. So then my traveling started being a bit more like with the boys going mm. out. And you know what well, that's like when you're doing that three or four times a week, you forget or can't pick up the camera and actually do anything productive. Yeah. So I think from that point, I kind of, lost interest in it really but i still wanted i still love to travel but another problem i had was that i felt that when i was traveling there was too much onus not necessarily on all of the things that i wanted to see or do but more so what would the audience want to see what yes. would be the most exciting the most enthralling and it was a bit it seemed a bit forced you know and i don't think i fully appreciated the magnitude of some of the things i was doing you know like i was in, in Canada, we took a helicopter and landed at the top of this mountain and you jump out the helicopter and you're, you're like chest deep in snow wading through. And I'm like, this is epic. You know, like the Rocky Mountains in Canada in Alberta, beautiful. One of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. But I'm there like fiddling around in minus 20 degrees with my camera. And I just got really frustrated with that. And it kind of killed it for me a little bit. It's so refreshing to hear you say that, because I've mentioned the, a very similar thing from my own experience in this podcast before. We've had other people who uh, make travel YouTube content come on before and say exactly the same thing. It, it really is almost unanimous across that space that it's not like it's not burnout. It's the the idea that you stop traveling for the reasons that you like traveling and you start traveling to make content. And yeah. then it's like, I'm not remembering the experiences. So what that led into then for you was well, maybe a little bit of a gap, but then you kind of honed down on, you know, football is my passion. You know, you are probably the most enthusiastic Chelsea fan on the internet. <laughs> I'll take that, to be honest. I, I think anybody, I, I get people taking the piss out of me here. Like, oh, Mr. Chelsea's in town. I'm like, can we, like, I, I'm, I'm a little bit more, you know, there's more to me than just Chelsea Football Club, but I can see why they would say that, you know? Yeah, yeah. But then I also, because I wanted to touch upon, because in that time as well, you mentioned it a little bit with the uh, Champions League stuff, but you sort of managed to find that world of football and travel and put them together and have your yeah. own experiences there. So talk us through some of those experiences, even stuff from following the, your team around Chelsea or following England or other, you know, uh, events. I think for me, like it, it's the perfect mix. And it's actually one of the main things that I'm going to be doing now. So one of my upcoming projects here in Bali is on, there's a company called Sungai Watch, and I, I think I'm probably allowed to say that we're going to be doing this. But what it, Sungai is river in, in Balinese. So what this company does is they basically clean the plastic from the rivers. They've got these big barricades to stop all of the, all of the plastics that come from the villages going into the ocean. So what we're going to do is there's a lot of football pitches on the island that are kind of, you know what it's like when you're having a kickabout with your mates and yeah. 
two jumpers will do, but a nice goalpost is always a little bit better. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we're going to be taking the, the plastic, recycling it into football goals, and then creating pitches. Well, not not doing anything to the land. We don't want to own any of the land. We're just going to literally gift it to villages. And I want to film and document that process because the nets are going to be made out of plastic bags. There's a woman who, like, it's like braiding hair. She sits there with the plastic bags and it's going to be the net. And then we're either going to use uh, recycled bamboo from from the rivers because there's a load of bamboo and trees and whatever that wash down too that they take out. Or we're going to, it might be a slightly more complicated, but just put together a load of plastic bottles to make these goalposts. So I kind of want to get involved with that because I think with Bali, there's always uh, the island itself. If you spend a lot of time here, you realize it's a very powerful place it, it, for many good and bad reasons. You know, there's very it's very easy to get caught up in a very lackadaisical, lazy lifestyle here. But at the same mm. time, if you want to be proactive and actually trying to make yourself a better person, I guess you could say, or like utilize what the island has to offer for, for your own benefit, there's so many opportunities to do that. And I think for me at the moment, segueing into the fact that I now live here means that I feel like I owe this island something more. So mm. I think for me to be able to tie in my experience with the travel videos, my passion with football, but to actually give villages something like this is something that I'm really trying to push for the next few months. Although it's going to be rainy season, so maybe I'll have to postpone it again. But yeah, I think that's going to be one of the next steps as well as following Bali United. I'm friends with a couple of the players in the team. Okay. So they can kind of get me behind the scenes access. So I think being that Westerner who's doing the vlogs, like the match day vlogs like I used to do with Chelsea, that is going to be quite exciting because the Bali United fans are absolutely mad. And the audience that you can get, particularly in Indonesia, is massive. One of my friends started doing a... He's actually got the same name as me. He started doing Indonesian TikTok food reactions. Mm. And he's got a million followers almost in seven months. Wow. And he doesn't really speak any Bahasa, which is the local language. He just has like little things that he says and the rest is in English, but they absolutely love it. So it, it, it could be quite an exciting little detour for me in terms of the content I'm making. Very excited about it. That initiative, that that's amazing. That's so innovative. The idea of using that waste in, and turning it into something that's like passionate for, for you know young people and people interested in football. That is Mate, I love to hear that. And something really poignant you just said then about you feeling like you owe the island that's given you this this life and this experience. I think that's that's so important that people have that perspective when they do things like travel to different places or move to different places. For me, I always complain about Indonesia for many different reasons because there is a lot of stuff that goes on here that you're just like, how and why is this even possible? And when I find myself doing that too much, I then get reminded because the sunset will be beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, should I really be complaining like this? Not really. And I think in terms of my past experiences here, before I even decided that I was going to consider living here, when I traveled here, I'm sure you remember back in 2017, I had the bike crash. Mm, yeah, yeah. And that at the time was when I was not really abusing the island, but I was abusing myself with what the island could offer to me. And I was going out all of the time. I was partying all of the time. And then I have this crash. And then I look at myself and I'm like, was it the fault of the wet sand on the road or was it you? It was it was me. It was me, you know? So I think ever since then, it kind of changed my perspective as to how I should behave and how I should treat this place. You know, it's not like, especially if you want to live somewhere, you can't see it as a party island. You know, mm. I, even now, like I, I'll go out on a Friday night today. I'll go out and have a couple of beers. But over the course of the last two years, I've kind of toned all of that down massively. And I'd say even when I was in London, I was going out more. Yeah. You know, it's become kind of just a subsidiary part of my life, really. But I think it's important that you really look at what you can do that a lot of people here might not be able to do and kind of fuse that together so that you feel as though you're giving something back. I think, I think it's so important. And I've had so many conversations with friends of mine now that are locals here that are like, trust me, once you've been on this island for X amount of time, you're going to feel that you need to be a certain way in order for it to respect you and you to respect it. It's a very spiritual place. Um, wow. But yeah, it's, it's, it's powerful, man. It's, it's super cool. That's so interesting to hear. There's, I have a lot more about Bali I want to touch upon, but just, just to go back a little bit on the football side of things, I'd love to hear some individual experiences of some of your best football travel that you've, you've got to do over the years. Oh, 
I think I got two obvious ones that are good and bad. The bad one was going to Rome, Chelsea versus Roma. I think it's September or October 2017. A lot of the things happened in 2017. And we lost 3-0, which mm. was a nightmare. But when I landed in Rome, I left my passport on the seat next to me because I had a spare seat next to me. And I get down the – in Rome, when you land, you go down the steps onto the tarmac – and then you go in. I got to the bottom of the steps and I said, can I go back up and get my passport, please? I've left it on the seat. They're like, no, you're not allowed back on the plane. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Cool. They said, just go over there and you can wait. And within 10, 15 minutes, you'll have your passport. So waited, waited, waited. Hour passes. I'm like, eh, this isn't good. This doesn't look good. The plane's now moved. It's gone somewhere else. I can't see it. And I'm trying to ask everybody in the best like broken Italian that I can, like, when can <laughs> I get my passport back? Here is my ticket. I had the yeah. ticket, just not the passport. And in the end, the plane ended up leaving for Seville. What? The passport's still there. They said they'd gone on, cleaned the plane, checked the plane. I'm like, well, you didn't clean the plane or check the plane because if you did, you'd have seen my passport there. No one would have stolen it. I was right at the back of the plane. So no one's going to go back just to say, oh, it's George Benson left his passport on the seat. I knew yeah. it was there. So I'm there for 10 hours in the airport in this one little room. And I'm getting super agitated. I don't get any information. Every time I got my phone out to check the flight, because the flight was going to Seville and then coming back to Rome within the same mm. kind of, uh, in the same evening. So so I'm there and eventually the passport comes back. And I'm like, okay, fantastic. This has been a lovely 11 hours sat in Rome airport in this crappy little room where I get given like a little plastic cup of water every hour. And any more is like, no, it's treated like a criminal. It felt horrible. Um, and then after that, I get to my hotel that was about 120 euros a night because I left it late, as I often do, which is, I think, a common theme with people that make travel videos online. <laughs> uh, I get to the, the hotel and it's there's no air conditioning and there's no windows. There's just a little fan. And the bed is like one of those beds where they've just pushed two singles together, but the mattress is kind of bowing in the middle and there's not enough room on the left for me to pick the left side or the right side or sleep in the middle of it. I'm just like, this is naff. Went to the bar to meet up with some of the Chelsea fans and I got there and everyone had just left because Lazio fans had stormed the place trying to batter people and then blame the Roma fans because the Roma and Lazio oh, wow. fans, whenever there's English teams in town, they they all go out to like fight one another so that they can blame the other one and say, oh yeah, right. it's the English in town. So like it was them, it was this, it was that. Then we lost 3-0, got stuck in the Stadio Olimpico for two and a half hours after kickoff. And uh, yeah, that was great trip. What an experience that was. And we lost like the, the most handsome win for Roma like you could ever imagine. We were awful and they were so good. They've never been that good. Oh no, that's not what you want, is it? After all of that ordeal then to, <laughs> to lose yeah. the game as well. Nah. But I think the, the best one was the England semi-final. Even though we lost, like I don't think I've ever felt such like a the adrenaline of walking in Moscow on the day of that game. And, you know, when I went there, I was kind of skeptical because a lot of people had a misconception or a preconception of what the World Cup was going to be like in Russia. And I, I didn't ever expect to go. I kind of got dragged in to the semi-final for England-Croatia about four days before. Uh, and of course, as soon as I got the call, I was like, yes, I'm well, just put me in the flipping cargo. I'll go and sit in the hold. No problem. I'm there. <laughs> and I remember just walking around thinking, this is insane. Like, it's Croatia which is kind of a nice semi-final for, for England to get. You can't really get a better World Cup semi than that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, we're going to do this, you know. And then I'm here in Moscow. That excitement for what it could have been, you know, I'm mm. sure you're a football fan yourself too. Like back in the, with the Euros in the summer, it felt like that the whole tournament too. It's like you, you get that trepidation of being like, oh my goodness, this could happen here. Yeah. And even in the stadium when Trippier scored that free kick, but I was surrounded by Russians and Croatians. So I was a bit like, oh dear. Wow. And the group that I was with, I was the only English person. So when Trippier scored, I went flying down the stairs. I was <laughs> screaming. And then I just remember at the end of the game, I was in tears, my, my head in my hands. Everyone's flooding out because it was like, it's a neutral area. Yeah. So half of the people didn't even care about the football in the first place, which is a whole other topic for another day. I think that's a disaster that people can go to football games like that. Yeah. But... As people were coming down the stairs, I was getting beers poured over me. I was getting kicked. I was getting slapped around the back of my head. 
And I don't remember any of this, not because I was plastered drunk, but because I was just distraught. Mm. I had absolutely no idea what was going on. And then when I eventually came around about five minutes later, my girlfriend at the time was like, you okay? You okay? I tried to help you. I tried to stop them. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I look at my, my shirt and I feel my hair and it's all sticky. I'm like, and she tells me everything that happened. I'm like, blimey. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that is the power of football all over, isn't oh, it? Oh right? man. Yeah. It's uh, it's a roller coaster. But I still would say that in terms of the best travel football experience, even though it was a loss, that is number one for sure. We're taking a short break from this week's episode to talk to you about Zencaster. Yes, so Zencaster is an online podcast and audio video call recording service and is an absolute game changer for remote podcasting and recording calls. Now, we spent absolutely ages trying to find a method that worked for travel talks with our recording, but nothing was really hitting that quality level that we wanted until we tried out Zencaster. Yeah, so what we love about Zencaster is that you can record video and audio locally as you chat. So at the end of the call, you can download the files without any of those awkward internet delays or interference, just as if you were sat offline in the room together. And the good news is you can try Zencaster absolutely for free to get a taste of what it offers. And if, like us, it massively helps improve the quality of your podcast and the production value of your recordings, then you can upgrade to the professional membership and get a tasty little discount by using the discount code TRAVELTALKS. That's one word, all lowercase, and that'll get you 40% off your first three-month subscription. But now it's time to get back to the show. The decision to move to Bali, uproot your life from the yeah. UK to Bali, how did that come about? What was going on in your life at the time? Well, to be honest, I seem, all I seem to talk about on here is I broke up with this girlfriend, broke up with that one, but, <laughs> okay, you know, it's, it's not that bad, you know, it's, it's only been a couple, but... At the time, it was very rough for me at the beginning of last year. I lost two grandparents in the space of 10 days whilst going through a breakup. So Mm -hmm. I was all over the gaff and I really needed to change things up dramatically. I needed to go somewhere with people who I knew would be able to help me bounce back. Um, So I came here for three weeks because I've over the years, I've made quite a few friends here that live here permanently. And it's always a place I think to go back to when I want to just see new people and do something different. Mm-hmm. So when I flew out, I had to go back home after 10 days for my granddad's funeral. And then after that, I was like, should I go back? Should I not go back? And I spoke to my dad. I was like, I knew obviously everyone was going to be struggling. He was like, you know what, son, I think you should go. I'm like, well, if you're sure, like I'm, I, I want to stay here to be supportive for you. But he's like, no, I think you should go. You've got enough on your plate too. And, you know, you're not going to be there that long, are you? So I'm like, yeah, yeah you're right. I'm probably going to go back for another month maximum and then uh, see you in a bit. And then uh, COVID started. And as soon as COVID started, like I'm I'm a very, like people people don't, a lot of people don't know this about me on the internet, but I, I'm a very heavy reader when it comes to philosophy, yeah, stoicism, um, a lot of things. And one thing I always learn in history is that when things start getting dramatic and start getting shaken around like this and everyone's panicking and flustering the one best thing you can do is just stay where you are and really analyze the situation of your surroundings what's coming up what is available and what choices you have right now and I could kind of I kind of foreshadowed everything that was going to happen in my head and in the process of doing that I was like well if the world's going to go into these lockdowns and there's all of this panic and fear everywhere, then I want to be somewhere where I know I'm going to be the happiest. And Mm. I think going back to London at that time for me would have just been a disaster for, for, for many, for many reasons that aren't worth talking about. So I just decided to stay. And that was, that was the moment really, because then global borders were closed for a long time. There was quarantine this, quarantine that, and the idea of me staying in one room for two weeks just to me is an absolute nightmare. So it's mm. kind of only been since since the dog in May, that's been like the the cement, I guess you could say, to keep me here. But until that point, it was always like a going week by week, month by month almost, thinking, well, am I going to go now? Am I going to go now? And the cat came, dog came, not going anywhere. I was going to ask you about what the logistics involved with moving, because I know there's probably a lot of people listening that have thought, I could live abroad, or, or, or what's involved, how difficult is it? So from the aspects of things like, you know, visas or how you rent properties or how long you're allowed to stay, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. how does it work for you? How are you able to stay in Bali as long as you have? So initially, when everything was normal, 
they used to give you what's called a visa on arrival, which is about $30. And it gives you the ability to stay here for, I think, 60 days. If not, the stamp that you get that you don't pay for is for 30 and then you have to leave. And if you mm. overstay that, you pay 1 million rupiah per day, which is the equivalent of about 50 pounds. And that is definitely, unless you know somebody who can narrow that number down, that is like a staple. You, you'll, you'll get an even heavier penalty if you get turned up to the airport and you refuse to pay this fine. Wow. And then when COVID started and they realized virtually all of the tourists had left apart from like a very, very small percentage compared to the usual numbers that would be on the island, they were like, they realized that that was going to have a dramatic impact on businesses. The tourism industry equates to about, I think, 80% of Bali's revenue income. So it was a disaster for this island. And if you drive around now, all of the places that you'd have seen before that were buzzing, that were open all the time, half of the main tourist areas have closed down completely. Wow. So it, they started to offer a social visa extension, which was six months, and you pay about £50 per month to be able to stay for that six-month period. There were Again, it's it was a bit of a con to a, to a sense because there's actually no jurisdiction that says this is the price of it. People are just make, kind of making it up on the spot. But mm. the government said that it's accepted that you can have this visa. So it's kind of, it's okay. And then the longer I was doing that, the more I looked into what it would actually cost me to get, it's called a kitas. So what that does is you can either have a PMA, which is your own company registration, which was good for me to do because obviously I'm going to want to start making money here doing some of the stuff that I'm going to be doing with filming. Mm. So that was the next step, which is the price I got for it was $25 million for two years, which is about 1,250 quid for two years to be able to stay here legally, not have to leave, not have to go back into the immigration offices, do your fingerprints again and again and again, which I had to do every mm. month, which even though it doesn't sound like that much of a chore, it is because you're acting like you're living here, but you're still technically not a resident. So yeah. you have to jump through all of these hoops that can be very frustrating. And I just thought the best thing for me to do in terms of A, saving money in the long run and B, kind of legitimizing is that even a word legitimizing yeah i mean <laughs> yeah. if not it sounds good it, it, it should what it should be a word if it's not <laughs> in the dictionary i just thought that for me that was the best next step and at the moment it's it's a lot cheaper than it would have been at any other time because they're kind of desperate to keep people here that are, are spending money because the island mm. is really really struggling there's big big problems right now there was a time i think maybe some point last year or the year before where i was following what you were up to and you were doing like a visa run we had to leave the country. Sort yes. Of, well, how does that work? To be honest, you're not really supposed to do it. And they, they okay. clamped down on it just before COVID. But we, I did do one. In fact, that's actually an interesting story. I managed to fly to Kuala Lumpur and back in within like a six-hour window the day before they closed the border. Wow. wow yeah. So we, we were almost screwed. If I'd have been stuck in KL, because I didn't take any stuff with me. I just went with my friend, didn't even take my laptop. I left everything here. And then I, I was reading the news and I was looking on Instagram and they're like, oh, I think they're going to close tomorrow. Like they're about to make an announcement. I'm like, you better not make an announcement before this plane <laughs> takes off. It, it was scary. But yeah, the visa runs were you basically just leave the country, land in another one, get another stamp and then come straight back. But it's, it's you're not supposed to do it. You're supposed to spend a night away, but again, it's Asia. There's a lot of things that you're not supposed to do here that you can just do and get away with somehow. What can you tell us about living in Bali in terms of the main differences in the culture and the lifestyle? What have you noticed? I mean, the thing I said earlier about feeling like you need to give something to the island, that can be in the smallest sense, just being even remotely interested in the small little things they do here. For example, every morning you'll see... It's usually a woman, she'll be wearing like traditional Balinese clothes and she'll have, um, it's like a little piece of, what's the word, banana leaf. Mm. And it's inside of it, it can have like a boiled egg, some rice, maybe some soy sauce or something, and they put it out on the street. And what that's supposed to do is, again, I might be wrong with the explanation here, but it's something along the lines of that is supposed to be giving to the island give it to try and keep bad spirits away to try and keep the good ones in by offering something mm. there's definitely religious elements to it as well as just a cultural thing but people love the simplest of things like even if you just go and ask what are you doing 
some of the responses. Like when I first came here and I would ask this question and I'd see different rituals happening, I'd be like, what is this? They are more than happy to take as much time out of their day, the local people doing these things, just to explain it to you. But things like that, that's uh, that's different. You wake up every single morning from a cockerel somewhere, even if you live nowhere near a chicken that you don't know about. You still hear, I don't know how. I, I've never, ever seen a chicken anywhere around this house, but I still hear them every morning. I've never, ever seen one. It's the weirdest thing. What's the pace of life like? Well, I think individually for yourself now, it's good because there's less traffic, because there's less people. So in terms of actually going somewhere to get something done is easy. But relying on somebody else to do it for you, everyone else is on island time. Like that, You cannot make a plan with any more than one person and expect it to go right. Like Even, even okay. me on this today, like I was late to come on to this podcast with you. I was late because I totally forgot the time. It's very easy to sink into that kind of, you know, overly like, yeah, the blah, blah kind of life. But you got to own it, you know, like, mm -hmm. especially if you, you're going to live here, like, especially for me, back in like 2017, 18, even 19, when I came here, I was very much like, I'm here on holiday, I'm here to have a good time. And I wouldn't really do anything other than that, apart from the first trip where I made a really epic travel series with a good friend of mine, Tom Norman. Mm -hmm. But this time, it's kind of been, you have the freedom to do whatever you really want to do because with making Chelsea videos, it's very simple for me. It's always one take. It takes me about an hour to do everything. So that mm -hmm. gives me 23 hours in the day, usually, to do whatever I want. And... I think in the last few months with lockdowns and restrictions and being kind of forced in the house, it's kind of made me play more of a, a business side that I've never really mm -hmm. done before. Like actually making a long-term plan was something that I'd never even considered doing because I was so erratic, almost mm -hmm. sporadic in the way that I would operate in terms of like what videos I'm making, what I want to do next. I, I either didn't know about it or I just quickly one day wake up and be like, right, cool. Yep. Going to do travel videos now. You know, yeah. so it's kind of been the first time in my life where I've been actually living somewhere that isn't England. Yeah. And because I like it and I feel really good here and I'm a very happy person now, I'm like, this is a good time to actually start making more of a long term plan for my life because I've actually now got a vision as to what I want to do, where I want to go, how I can merge all of my interests that I've built up plus expertise within my profession and now, now I think it's been the best time for me to actually come up with that plan. So it feels good. You definitely sound like you're content. You sound like you, you, you found a home. And, you know, because you're looking at life in the way that you do when you're settled. You know, when you feel like I'm comfortable here so I can start thinking about what's next, what's the bigger picture. Because yeah. often you, hear, you talk to people that have gone to move, move to different countries and it's like they lived, you know, day by day by day. And it's kind of just like, oh, do that, do a bit, do that. And then eventually it catches up with catches up with them and it's like oh what do i do now like what do the next few years look like yeah it's actually really nice to see because i've always wondered what it would be like to kind of uproot and live somewhere else would i get trapped into kind of a a routine of just doing like an extended holiday or would yeah. i eventually would it eventually become life and to see what it's done to you and how much you you've kind of matured and everything and how how yeah how comfortable you feel it's actually quite inspiring not to uh, blow too much. Thank you, mate. No, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's nice, you know, it's nice to hear. I think I don't really get most, most of the time I just get like, when you're back then, when you're coming back then, people don't really take the fact that I'm actually staying here now, seriously. Mm. Like every time I speak to my family, first thing they say, when you're back then, when you're going back then, I'm like, I don't know if you realize, but like <laughs> I have responsibilities in life too now, you know, like who's going to feed this cat when I go away? Like, of course somebody would, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's still, even the fact that we're talking about it now, I don't really think about it because I'm just doing it every day, you know? It's nice to sure. actually think about these things when, when the questions are posed. It's, it's cool, man. I, I love it here. I'd recommend it to anybody. And no, I don't have any commissions on any visas that you can get. Well, I should get. I'm getting so yeah. many questions, man. Now that the borders are opened, like so many people. And I'm like, yeah, just send in my friend's visa agency. Like, get it from here. I'm like, actually, I didn't agree any commission here. I should have at least be getting 10-15% from this cash pocket, please, now. Yeah. Business businessman George. Yeah, yeah. Different, 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 different gravy geezer these days, mate. <laughs> um, a few more things on the culture, because there's a question I wanted to ask you. So um it's actually my brother. Spencer went to Bali at one point and he I think he'd mistimed booking the trip. 
and he went uh, for a few days. And one of the days he was there was, I don't know what it's called, but it's a time where like there's like everybody turns off everything. Oh, he was here for Nyepi, it's called. What is Nyepi? So basically, from a, from the standpoint of what happens, everything on the island switches off. All of the lights, you're not allowed out of your house or your villa or your hotel, wherever you stay. No one's allowed out on the streets. And the night, I think it's the night before this happens, they go on the street with these big ogres. Like they create these huge like statues and across all the villages and all of the towns, everybody parades them along the street. And it's basically to try and fight away the bad the bad energies, the bad demons mm. and stuff that could, could come to the island. And then the lockout of the, the noise and the lights is basically like, uh, it's hard. I, I don't actually fully know the full reason because there's so many different reasons why it happens, but it's to basically like reset the energy on the island. Okay. Which okay. is super cool. And it's actually an amazing time. Like this year I went up to, a place in the northwest called Sumbakima. It's very underrated. Very few people even know about it. And it's not even really talked about in terms of Bali tourism, but it's beautiful. And even up there, at the best of times when everything's normal, you see all the stars, everything is just like incredible. Mm. But I've never seen darkness like I saw when it when really? this year during the Nyepi, because it's very empty up there anyway. Plus then everyone still abides by the rules of turning off everything. And it was like, whoa, I even felt bad for like putting my phone light on to walk around and go into the toilet. Because I'm really? like, someone's going to see this from like 20 kilometers away because we're on the top of this huge hill. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to be seen. I don't want to break the rules. Someone's going to come and bash me down, you know. But It's it so was, interesting. Yeah, that was, if, you, if you're not planned for that, if you didn't know about that for your holiday, it's normally in March. Yeah. So Spendog needs to uh, pay more attention next time when he's... Uh, <laughs> booking his trips um okay one more question on culture that i know people listening will be really really interested to know cost of living you know how easy is, is it to live there financially in bali i mean in terms of actually working on the ground it's very hard for any western person to come here and get a job unless you're investing in land property and, and big business okay so if you're making money online or you're i don't know selling nfts or buying ethereum or whatever you can, you can live here very, very well for very little. Mm -hmm. In terms of like um, the average cost of a meal is about £2.50. And even then, like you can find on virtually any street something that's going to cost you about a pound to eat and you eat good food. So okay. at the same time, you can spend a lot here. It's still not a lot compared to what you'd spend in Europe. Like if you think about the idea of like a, you want to go and party kind of holiday trip, if that's what mm -hmm. you're thinking of doing. To spend, alcohol is the most expensive thing here. That is the most expensive thing you can buy, it's alcohol. But even then, you don't have to go and spend 20 grand on a bottle because there's not a single bottle here that's worth 20 grand. Mm. Because it's not like a Mykonos or a Ibiza yeah. or something like that. You don't get that kind of extreme standard because it's still Indonesia. So they kind of, even though alcohol is very expensive, it's Asia. So you, they're, they're not doing these crazy things that you see everywhere else, like in Miami or whatever. Okay. But in terms of to actually live, you could easily get away with about £1,500 a month and live and very, very comfortably. food and everything. Everything. Yeah. Decent. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, so favorite parts of Bali for you and Bali life? Some must-dos, some things to some things to avoid, hidden gems. I know you mentioned one already there, but yeah, what can you tell us? I think getting out of all of the places that you see in all the tourism leaflets and on Instagram is the best thing you can do. I think just taking renting a car and going up north and just driving around is where I have the most fun. I think one of my favorite pastimes is to not actually have anywhere to go, take the take the bike, the scooter, and just drive. Mm -hmm. with absolutely no plan whatsoever because the craziest thing about about bali is you be in a highly well densely populated village and then the next minute you're going through like a ravine or you're driving through the jungle or next thing you know you're coming out of like a, a load of trees and you just see there's a massive cliff in front of you with huge waves breaking in front of your very eyes you know wow. there's so much diversity so i think if i was to if i was to actually like plan someone's trip and they wanted to do a mixture of everything, like a little bit of 
party, a little bit of seeing like the, some of the cool hotspots like the monkey forests and things like this that everybody seems to want to go to when they come here. But I go and I think it's like you can see monkeys so many other places other than this monkey forest that everyone talks about. Yeah, sure. I would probably say that the Changu area, which is like the main hotspot area now, I would spend if you're here, for, if you're going to break it down into like a week, I'd spend two days here. I'd spend two days in the kind of northern areas, the jungle, Ubud, which is the spiritual part of the island. Uh, and then I do two days or three days in Uluwatu, which is down by the beaches, the big surf breaks. And for me, that that's the best place on the island for me because it's so chill and it's just so beautiful. Nice. And there's very few people there. It's, it's amazing. Absolutely I like that little guide there, little George Benson itinerary for Bali. Yeah, I'm actually, th- I'm actually, th- oh, you got me thinking, Saunders. I'm thinking. I think this could be a thing, you know, like little uh, GBFC tour. Why not? No, you should definitely do that. Definitely do a little itinerary, a little tour package. Oh, I'll sort you out. When you come, I've already given you a place to stay and I'll give you an itinerary, mate. <laughs> oh, yes. what, what more do you want? I'm give me a kiss it. on I'm arrival too, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you've already mentioned a few things, good bits of advice for moving abroad, but do you have any final words of wisdom for anyone thinking about moving to Bali specifically? For Bali specifically, you need to be very aware of all of the legalities of, of actually moving here because there you can't just pack a suitcase and come and live here. You have to go through all of the steps to get the key test that we spoke about earlier, mm-hmm. uh, either underneath somebody else's PMA, which is the business, or you make your own. You've you've really got to you've really got to go through all of these legal steps, otherwise you can get penalised very heavily for breaking the rules. Finding a good agent too, because they're at the moment with people struggling to make money, there are a lot of scam artists out there that look at Westerners and foreigners and think, right, these guys are going to have money. Let's charge them through the roof for a service that isn't worth what we're charging them, but people are going to pay it because they're desperate, because they need Mm -hmm. this, they want this. So I think in terms of moving to Bali specifically, be very aware that scams are rife everywhere here. Even though it's a beautiful place and the people are generally very good, quality, nice, warm-hearted people, there's a lot of people, particularly when money is involved, that will make your life very, very difficult if you're not aware of what you really need to do in order to legitimize what you're here for. So moving on to the final part of the show, which is some general travel questions that we ask every single guest. Uh, First of all, out of all of your travels, where is your favorite city in the world? My favorite city in the world, oh, so hard because it is London, but it's <laughs> got to be, it's got to be Vancouver in Canada. I think it's amazing. I think okay. it's such a beautiful like juxtaposition between city life and then you literally drive half an hour out and you're in the most beautiful forests. I, I, I don't think there's many places I've been where it's that different, but Vancouver. Love that. Uh, and favorite country? Oh. Oh my words, this isn't easy. I think Canada or Indonesia. Okay, okay. Yeah. This question kind of answers itself, but maybe uh, outside of Bali, have you ever visited anywhere and thought I could live here? Cape Town. Really? Okay. You spent quite yeah. a lot of time there, didn't you? Yeah, I, was go- I went down two or three times and spent a good few weeks there each time. And it was kind of a mixture because at the time it was when I was going down to see Ben, we were both vlogging, yeah. so we both had the same lifestyle and he lived there. And when I was when I was down there, I was like, "Wow, like this is this is a good life, you know." And I, it was one of those places again where the older I got, the less I cared about leaving somewhere because I knew I could come back or go again or do something else. Mm-hmm. But I think when I was in Cape Town, I was gutted to leave. You know, I, I really, I really thought I could have stayed there a lot longer, or maybe even LA as well. But that that is a big no now. If I if to answer this question yeah. for now, Cape Town still yes. LA four or five years ago, I'd have said yeah. Get me here. I'd love to live here. Dream to live here, but not now. Um, in general, do you when you travel, do you prefer cities or rural destinations? If you can get a bit of both together, then that's my that's my jam. That's what I loved about the Canada trip, and that's why Canada is my favorite place. Because when I went to Alberta, we stayed in Banff, which even though it's not a big place, it's still quite big for Alberta because it's very rural in general. Vancouver, mm-hmm. and then with Whistler just up the corner. I think if you can get a mixture of both, then it's for me that's that's the best but i think now that i've not been to a big city or seen a skyscraper for nearly two years i think i kind of crave a city trip now i'm gutted because i was chelsea were meant to be playing in the club world cup because we're a pretty decent football team 
We're meant to be in Japan <laughs> in December, but now they're flipping cancelled it. And I've always wanted to go to Japan. Oh, no. It's not even that far, No, in fact, it? Saunders, I'm going to say this right now. When you went to Japan, yeah. you, you went there to do the, the brand stuff, right? Yeah. Man, I got, um, I was one of the people that might have got that job. I no. got so, yeah, yeah. I was so excited, man. My manager called me. I was on, I was literally about to go into the tube to go across to France. And I remember he calls me. He's like, I might have a really good job for you. What, what I said, what is it? He said, yeah, you're going to Japan. I'm like, I'm in, sign me up. And then I didn't realize that it wasn't actually like done because you went instead. Oh no, no. <laughs> if I'd known that, I would have said, oh, well, I'll only do it with George. We could do it together. Oh mate, no, it's funny. I looked at your video and I was, I saw that you were going there. I'm like, Saunders, for goodness sake. <laughs> no, it was great content though, mate. Great content. I'm, st- I'm not butthurt now. I was a little bit at the time. I'm not going to lie. But I, no I was idea. looking forward to going to Japan in December, but that's not going to happen now. Now, surprisingly, on this podcast, having talked about everything we have and barley, we haven't really touched upon food. Would you consider yourself a foodie to begin with? Massively. Massively. Okay. And I love spicy food too. Like really, I'm talking like mega spice. I, I'm, I'm that guy. If there's an Indian restaurant here that I love, it's called Chai Bar. If any of you come to Bali, you have to go to this Indian restaurant. I think it's the best Indian food I've ever eaten in my life. And I've been to wow. India too. It's amazing. And it's for Bali, it's expensive. It's like £10 a dish, which is like top end prices. But it is just sensational. And they do like a every dish they have, you can adjust the spice between one and 10. And okay. it's not on the menu. So when you go in there, you have to you have to know that in advance that you can change it up to 10 times and i've tried every my favorite dish is the lamb shank i've tried it from one to ten and i can taste the difference each time it's that good wow love that that's great yeah. so in your opinion then where out of everywhere you visited is the best country for food bali's up there but i'd say do you know what this is going to be a, an answer that very few people are going to be like what the hell are you talking about germany really okay i think the food in germany is amazing uh, every every time I go to Germany, I'd always get a uh, goose leg and they do it with chestnuts in this beautiful gravy with mashed potato. And I, I've never eaten something that good than I have in Germany. I, I love the food in Germany. It's, no one ever says that, but for me, it's like Germany is one of the most underrated places in the world. That is a, a super left field answer, but I absolutely love yeah. it. Um, on the slightly more negative side, are there places that you would never go back to? Places I'd never go back to. At the moment, the US. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I I won't go into it too much, but I just find the whole thing a bit of a mess. And I I have no interest to go back there. Yeah, it's a a shame, isn't it? It's really sad. It it offers so much as a country, but there is a lot of uh, big question marks, aren't there, in the US at the moment? Yeah, no, I, I don't see myself going there anytime soon, really which is a real shame. And on the flip side of that, a place from your travels that you feel like you need to desperately go back to? Ooh. I th- Australia. Yeah? But I do it so differently this time. Last time we did it, it was a road trip, but it was kind of like a party road trip. Now I would go and literally just enjoy how beautiful that place is. Like Australia mm-hmm. is just insane. Oh, the dog's here. Hello, mate. This is, hang on, this is the reason why I'm here. <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> hey, don't eat the airpod. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, what's his name? His name is Mason. Mason. Oh, Definitely has nothing to do with Mason Mount whatsoever. <laughs> oh, my God. Is it actually named after Mason Mount? No, well, like, I called the cat Zola because of Gianfranco <laughs> Zola. So I'm like, well, the dog needs a name too. So I might as well stick with the theme. And now it's, you know, if there's any more little, little Bensons that are running around, I'm sure they're going to have some kind of affiliation to, to the Mighty Blues. But. Love yeah, it. This is definitely because of Mason Mount. Uh, and final question. There's something we ask all of our guests. In terms of bucket list destinations, what sits at the very top of your bucket list and why? Japan. Because yeah. I think the fact that, that even the way that they write things, I cannot understand it. I think the cultural shock that mm-hmm. I will receive when I go to Japan will be a breath of fresh air. Like it will mm-hmm. be a struggle, but I think not only the... The food there is just something I just cannot wait to try. I think even just the the way that people behave. Like I, I love to people watch. I love to watch people and, you know, and I think in Japan, like, I don't know because I haven't been, but I, I just think it's going to be so different. I think everything is going to be eye-opening. Love that. 
Mate, this has been an absolute pleasure. It's been great to catch up and now finally talk about, you know, everything that's been going on the last few years with you in Bali. It's been awesome. Yeah, mate, honestly, thank you so much for having me on. I, I love, love to catch up with you and it's been a great chat. What a pleasure talking to George Benson. So, so good to catch up and amazing to hear about what life's been like for him in Bali, living there, uprooting his life, what that process was like. You know what? He could have spent so much time talking about, you know, tips and tricks, do's and don'ts, travel itinerary, that sort of thing. But the information that he gave about the difficulties and some of the key things that you need to think about if moving to Bali, you know, legal things, visas, that sort of thing. I think it's really interesting. That's not in the guidebook. That takes real world, real life experience. And that's exactly what George gave us. But yeah, that's it for this week's episode. As always, let us know what you think. Get in the comments, get in the ratings on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let us know your thoughts as because you know, we like this to be a two-way conversation. It's not just about us making podcasts for you to listen. We'd actually love to make podcasts about the things that you want to hear. If there's any particular travel questions you want answered, or if there's any destination that you want to know more about, let us know. And we'll maybe try and find a guest or do our own research to give you that information, to bring you those stories, bring you that experience and give you exactly what you want. 